All right, Shower Lee, welcome to the Blockhash Podcast, episode 220. Uh, excited to have you here. How are you doing? I'm terrific, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, before we jump in and start talking more about permission and what it's all about, what the mission is, what you guys are doing, what are you trying to accomplish, tell me a little bit more about yourself. What's your background? Um, what did you do before this? How did you get involved um, and interested in, in blockchain, the crazy world of blockchain and crypto, and then eventually permission. What's So yeah, what's your story? Well, um, I'm a career entrepreneur. Uh, uh, in the early dot-com era, I started a company called Real Age. You and your audience are probably too young to remember it, but it was a health media company. We were the number two health media company next to WebMD. And what it was, was we had this health risk appraisal that collected enormous amounts of data about individuals. And we told them what their real age was, their physiological age versus their chronological age. And then we would ask permission, can we send you information about products and services that can make your real age younger? And it was an enormous success. We had 60 million users, Dr. Mehmet Oz, who, who's now running for the Senate and who took over Oprah's slot was my partner and spokesperson. And this is where he got his media start. Um, but it was a permission marketing company based on data. We sold that company very successfully to Hearst. And then subsequently I start, I got into finance, started an ETF company. I've always been interested in finance. And I was an early crypto adopter, you know, going back many, many years. And I saw crypto as a solution to all the problems of fiat currency. So I became a big believer in, in crypto. And then it occurred to me that I can marry these ideas of permission marketing with a crypto reward. And that's where the evolution and the company Permission.io had its you know, uh, uh, founding. Got it. So with the founding of permission, what, what's the goal? What are you guys trying to accomplish? Well, what we're trying to accomplish is to enable individuals to monetize an asset that they own, but they haven't received any compensation for it, which is their individual data. Data is the most valuable commodity in the world. Yet individuals who possess it and own it receive zero for it. So that's the core mission. And the business is about connecting brands to consumers, driving ROI for brands while allowing them to compensate consumers for something that has been exploited previously. How, how are you guys leveraging blockchain to help people protect and also monetize their data? Well, the blockchain for us is the vehicle in which people receive their payment. Mm -hmm. And we've created a crypto, ASK, ASK, that enables a brand to offer to consumers to share their data and opt in. We call it Web3 advertising, enabling a brand to tokenize a reward to a consumer to get them 
to share their data and volunteer to be marketed. Got it. Um, so how does this ask token work? Um, what does a user or a company have to do to, to earn an ask token, uh, to be monetized for data or to be a part of that system? Well, for, for, from an individual's point of view, if they see an, they first can go to permission.io and set up an account and they can earn ASK. Mm -hmm. Second is as they surf the internet, they'll see an ad from any major, any advertiser that offers ASK to opt in. So they would click on the ad, it would go to a landing page where a brand will ask a couple data points and offer uh, ASK to, you know, complete, to share some data. And that's how it works. So a brand is enabling, is, is compensating individuals to opt in and share their data. Got it. Is there an aspect that also benefits the advertiser in this, um, in this scenario where maybe the advertiser is able to get more accurate data um, or better access to data or it's cheaper for them? Um, or is there a tangible aspect that makes it beneficial for, for them from that point of view? No, absolutely. I mean, it's their return on ad spend. And our whole premise is that by spending money through the permission platform, they're going to get a better return on their investment than any place else. And what they're doing is building a database of consumers that are volunteering to be marketed to. So I'll use an example, Nike. You know, they spend money through the permission platform. They can build a database of users who have volunteered to be marketed to that have told them that they play soccer or tennis or golf and where they live. And this database over time will convert on a much better basis than anything else they can do as far as a marketing program. Got it. Um, in terms of the type of data, is it mostly personal data like um, name, age, location, what kind of ice cream flavor I like, or is it like metadata, like the data you don't really think about that Facebook's collecting all the time that gives metrics to advertisers for their ad spend? Um, or is it a combination well, of both? Well, it's a combination, but each advertiser has its own unique data points that they want to collect. Let's use the Nike example again. Do you play soccer, tennis, or golf? You male or female, where do you live? You know, those are, you know, three or four major data points. That's all they need to know in order to conduct further marketing programs. Mm -hmm. So that's all it is, is just a few data points and, and somebody's willingness to opt in to receive further messages from Nike. Does this give the, the user who owns the data the ability potentially to, I guess, fish out all these different companies that maybe want to buy the data from them where they can sit, like shop around and say, oh, well, Facebook's offering me this, Google's offering me this, Microsoft's offering me this, and then they can like choose whatever rate potentially they want to sell their data for, or is this like completely automated? Well, right now it's automated as I've described, 
But what you're describing absolutely is the future, that there will actually be auctions to bid on, like advertisers today bid on inventory through publishers. They will absolutely, uh, I see Web3 advertising evolving to what you just described, where individuals can say, hey, I live in California and I make this amount of money and this is my credit score and blah, blah, blah come bid for my engagement. I absolutely see that down the road, but it's it's further down the road. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but is uh, that a future for permission that you could see um, opening up different avenues for people to sell their data, like auctioning it? Absolutely. You know, the user experience, I mean, we're just in the first phases on how brands will compensate users to opt in. And we're just in the very early, early, early phases. But what you described, I absolutely see in the future. Yeah, I do, too. I think that'd be a really cool application and make a lot of sense, um, especially when you can build all these social profiles potentially on top of blockchain. You'll be able to very easily uh, monetize your data in all kinds of ways, I imagine. Right. And verification is a key component of this. You know, how does someone... You know, so much of internet advertising today is just bots clicking on ads. You know, 50% of internet traffic is just fake and fraudulent. And um, so imagine a world where somebody needs verification. And that's really, you know, zero knowledge proofs and verifications, identity. This is all huge aspects of blockchain that as they mature will enable applications that you described have you guys been able to put together some type of verification system when aggregating all this data or is that also something that's in the future and down the line it's in the future and uh right now we do some kind of just basic kyc stuff mm -hmm. as needed but i really see a world where identity you know can become an nft and it could be verified in various ways. And that's what's really exciting, you know, coming down the road. I mean, Web3 is is just, you know, I was around, you see this gray hair? I was around in the early dawn of <laughs> internet business models in the late 90s. But, you know, uh, seeing Web1, Web2, and now what's happening all in Web3 is, is going to be bigger, better than we could possibly ever imagine. With the yeah, let's talk about Web3 for a second. What? I'm sorry? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, Web3 will you be can individual-centric. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about Web3 a little bit more detail since you're um, a bit more of an expert. You know, uh, a lot of the stock market stuff, dot-com boom, was a little bit before my time. I was way too young to fully comprehend it and experience it. Um but since you have, how would you compare that to Web3? Do you think it's a very similar type of um, technological innovation that's going on right now? Or how do you see that panning out? Well, I see Web3 bigger. I mean, much bigger. I mean, what the dot-com boom was, was a recognition that the internet is the biggest, most important innovation in all of human history. And that's what mm -hmm. the dot-com boom is. And now, 20 years later, we're seeing the next generation 
And that's why we're seeing massive valuations in crypto. And I don't know if the massive valuations in crypto can be related to the dot-com boom or not. I mean, I'm, you know, pro prognosticating markets is just a fool's mm -hmm. game. So I can't tell you where we're at, but you can just see that crypto has become a multi-trillion dollar asset class. And I don't know if it's going to correct big right now or if it's going to keep growing, but this massive as you know amount of money flowing into the asset class tells you what the future is going to be whether it corrects or not yeah i think the numbers can mostly speak for themselves given the fact that it's such a young industry bitcoin being around for just barely a decade and you know most of what we're seeing in blockchain um being around for six or seven years really you know coming to fruition in the last three to be honest it feels so young and the fact that it has achieved such a large market cap and acquired so much capital and so many people are still investing. Um, you know, I don't imagine that would stop. It wouldn't make any sense. I imagine it's going to, you know, at least in terms of prices, prices will probably keep going up. Um, market caps will probably keep going up. Um, and it seems inevitable with the amount of money these companies and funds are um, pouring into this space for innovation and development. I'm sure you see that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it just it's, you know, capital flows to, you know, what, you know, the future holds. And there's just no question that Web3, crypto, you know, blockchain is going to be the dominant technological force for, you know, decade to come. Do you think it will create some contention with a lot of the big tech companies that kind of dominate data and the data space um, where it'll is going to obviously it has started to give people so many options with what they can do, not just with their data, but period online through Web3, through blockchain decentralization. Um, and while all these big companies have supported that innovation or exploring it, it almost feels like it's going to really hurt them in the end if people decide to go completely decentralized. Do you think that that's kind of coming to a heads at some point or there might be a lot of contention um, or they might, you know, try to lobby against it? Um, what do you see from that point of view? Well, you know, there's just such a infinite number of variables. I mean, some big companies will embrace it. Some will fight it. You know, it's like any disruption, any technology disruption. Um, you know, the status quo, you know, the big companies, some will embrace it, some will fight it. I mean, you know, it's just hard when you have a business model to disrupt your own business model, right? And there's always going to be forces saying, well, we just got to keep milking this cash cow. And there'll be other forces within a company that says, well, we got to change with the times. And this is, you know, I give a talk. What do General Electric... General Motors, IBM, all have in common. At one point, these were the largest market cap companies in the world. Today, they're struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And so whether Google, Facebook, and Microsoft adopts the new, you know, Web3 technologies or they fight it will determine whether or not they stay on top of their game or they become also RANs like GM, GE, and IBM. Are there examples of companies that have successfully been able to evolve along with technology, um, similar to those examples, but in the opposite direction, like 
you know, IBM and General Electric, you know, once being the biggest company in the well, world now really thing, hurting. Right? Um, it happens. Go ahead. But it's rare. I mean, mm-hmm. most companies can't disrupt themselves. It's very, very difficult. It's a rare mm-hmm. thing when it happens. And uh, huge companies, um, you know, have a business model. They're doing extraordinarily well. It's really, really, really hard to disrupt yourself. So, uh, it, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to see companies uh, that the biggest market cap companies are not going to be the same ones that we see today. I mean, did you see what happened to Facebook today? I saw what happened with DM. Did something else happen? No, Facebook dropped 20% on oh. the stock. Their biggest drop ever. They, they reported they reported user growth and earnings and they dropped 20% in the aftermarket. And a big reason why they dropped is, are you familiar with the Apple policies in the app store? Mm-hmm. And these are Tim Cook's words, not mine. Apps have to ask permission in order to use personal data. No longer can you just say accept cookies. You have to be explicit. Will you share your personal data? And 95% of people say no. So the Facebook revenue in the Apple app ecosystem is basically disappeared. And that has caused a 20% decline, I mean, in their user growth. And it reflected in their earnings today when they announced. That's interesting. Um, I also saw that they had to scrap their entire um, DM or formerly Libra cryptocurrency project as well because that wasn't panning out and they got so much bad backlash early on. Um, and they've made such a huge move rebranding their name and trying to move into the metaverse. Um, maybe that's part of it. Maybe they see a lot of that stuff coming and they're trying to avoid that potential um you know, heads that it's coming to with stuff like blockchain and, you know, people being able to have better control over their data and their revenue model potentially falling apart in some ways. Um, I don't know, maybe there's some foresight there. Yeah, no, actually, Facebook may be one of the companies that do, does innovate. I mean, I, I wouldn't count Facebook out by any yeah. means that, you know, you know, rebranding the meta and they are somewhat disrupting themselves. They probably recognize that their current business model of exploiting user data has got to change. And I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook adapts and they've made some you know, moves that have been difficult, but uh, uh, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't count them out by any means. Got it. Um, before we start wrapping up, I want to know a little bit more about what your guys' roadmap is like. What do you guys plan to do in 2022 um, to continue growing permission? And what's on that roadmap that you think is exciting that people should keep an eye on? Well, what's super exciting is when we just launched what's called the demand side bidding platform, which will enable any brand anywhere in the world to run an internet campaign on the global web just like they would through Google, but they can do it through permission and offer crypto, our ASK coin, to incentivize individuals 
to opt in and volunteer to be marketed to. So we're just getting started with that. And our, our success is all about getting big brands and big advertisers to use the permission platform and offer value in exchange for individuals' data and opting in. So for us, it's all about our growth in advertisers, which really creates a two-sided marketplace for our crypto. That advertisers, a percentage of their media spend all goes into our crypto to go into users' pockets. So Got it's it. a real demand for ASK. And creating demand for ASK is what we're all about. Where can people go to keep up with all this development and to learn more and to eventually um, be a part of the Ask you know, token ecosystem and everything you guys are doing? They just go to the website or where should they go specifically? Well, they can go to permission.io, open okay. an account, open a wallet, earn ASK by doing so. They can follow me on Twitter, permission CEO. They can follow permission.io on Twitter to see all of the goings on. Um, and by, yeah, opting in on the website, following us on Twitter is a great place to do it. Perfect. Um, everyone that's watching and will be watching, go follow Charlie and permission.io and be sure to like and subscribe. Um, Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. It's been fantastic talking about uh, data and blockchain. It's really interesting. Um, I think use case for this technology, I think it's going to have a lot of, it's going to do a lot of good and it's correcting a massive problem that's existed for quite a while now. Um, and fantastic that you guys are doing something to contribute to that space. So thank you for sharing. Really appreciate it. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for having me on the show. Of course. Anytime. Talk to you soon. Take care.